Hey there, hey there, good morning everyone. This is Cliff Roy Jr. from Restore Connection Church. It is Sunday morning and I purpose to give you a message to encourage you throughout the remainder of your week. Just so you know, Sunday mornings when there is opportunity, we'll be doing a message to encourage you. And on Tuesdays, every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m., we have a Bible study. So always be willing to tune in to us at those given times. So today's message is called Choosing Your Destiny. Yes, choosing your destiny, choosing your destiny. So here's how we're going to start off, right? Realize that everyone is destined for great things. However, your destiny won't go without being challenged. See, we think that because we set our minds to do something that is just like automatically going to happen, right? Christian or not, <laughs> just because you declare something doesn't mean that it's an automatic shoe-in that it happens. There's going to be challenges at every turn and every angle. Know this, there will always be an enemy that will try to stop you from going where he can't go. We fail to realize that we're up against Satan. You know, it was once in once in angelic form and in his angelic state, he got lifted up in pride and got banished away from heaven and stuck here in the presence of a bunch of us who are, are, are destined for heaven. So what he's going to do in the meanwhile is going to do everything in his power to try to stop you from getting to your destiny. Right. So that's where the discouraging part of his ministry comes in. So we're going to start off by talking about about three key points. The first one being this. Key point number one, there are reasons you should fight against temptation. There are reasons that you should fight against temptation. See, the idea of overcoming your greatest temptation may seem slim to you right now only because you failed at it before. See, when we have tried to overcome something over and over and over again, it can get to the point where it seems like it's just helpless. It's like you get frustrated. Like, why even try? Why even even attempt to it? And we just kind of like surrender and say, this is just the way that it's always going to be. This is how it's always been. My dad was like that. My mom was like that. My grandmother was like that. My friends are like that. Everyone's like that. So why should I even try to do better? So here, I want to give you a few reasons why you should pick up the fight again. If you've gotten to the point where you quit resisting your temptations, you quit fleeing from it, you just flat out quit trying, I want to give you a few key points that I hopefully encourage you to pick up the fight again. Number one, a defeating habit in your life will rob you of your confidence in the power of God to give you power over sin. Did you get that? A defeating habit in your life will rob you of your confidence. The Bible tells us to, that don't cast aside your confidence that has a great recompense of reward. See, when you don't have the confidence and the power of God, you won't respond to God correctly. You won't do what he what he wants you to do. You'll do whatever your flesh wants to do. And therefore, you are powerless. So that's one reason to pick up the fight. See, here's another one. When you don't fight. You won't share your faith with anyone because you'll feel like a hypocrite. Now, look, I want to I want to point this out. There is a difference between a hypocrite and someone that's in the process. Right. The hypocrite is one who claims victory over something that they're not victorious in. Right. Claims victory, something not victorious in. And then they try to impose 
that strong view on someone else. See, when you're working towards what God wants you to be, it's okay to encourage others to do the same thing or encourage others to to strive for those things that you've actually become victorious in. Just because you're working on something else doesn't make you a hypocrite. It makes you a person who is trying their best, a person who is in process, a person who is pursuing someone who is in salvation, which is the process of being saved. Right. You caught that. So here's the other thing. If you don't fight, if you don't pick up the fight, you'll develop a hard heart. Now, you know, the bad news about having a hard heart is that you'll hear and believe the truth, but you just won't apply it. You'll, you'll say things like, man, that's not possible. Nobody else can do that. Uh, that's only in the Bible. You'll, 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 you'll be that person that knows what you should do, but never does it. You'll be, you'll, 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 you'll be borderline hypocrite. You'll be the one that says, yeah, that's what you should, but I'm not going to do it because I, it's not cut out for me. It's not my thing. And, and ultimately, you won't feel any type of conviction about it either. <clears throat> Excuse me. You'll do wrong, even though you know it's wrong, and your heart won't get pricked to do right. And you have this I don't care mentality. Well, deep down inside, you do care. But to everybody else, I, I'm just doing what I want to do. So that gives you a hard heart. And hard hearts are hard to penetrate, you know. Those people kind of self-destruct after a period of time of being that way. Here's another reason to fight. Because one sin always, say it with me, always leads to another. There's no such thing as one shortcoming or one wrongdoing or a small lie or little white lies or just a little, you know, a little fun away from the spouse. Uh, There's no such thing as that. It always leads to another sin. And what it does, it replicates and it gets greater and it multiplies. That's just the bottom line. That's another reason to pick up the fight. A good reason to pick up the fight is sin always results in death. It always does. It, it'll kill your dreams. It'll kill your vision. It'll kill some things that you've worked hard to build. That's the uh, another reason that you got to pick up the fight against temptation because temptation is always coming to distract you. And the last point here is sin leads you to the wrong destination. There is no sinful activity that's bringing you to your destiny. Did you catch that? There is no sinful activity that's bringing you to your God-given destiny. It's always leading you away from it. That's the reason to pick up the fight against temptation. So keep that in mind. Key point number two, temptation is designed to distract you from your true destiny. James chapter one, verses 14 through 16 reads as such. But every man, somebody say with me, every man, is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, I'm going to say it again, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. See, <laughs> distractions, right? Can we talk about distractions for a second? See, the things that you've engaged in become the very things that are used to distract you. See, temptation always pulls on something from the inside of you, something you've involved yourself in, something that you've committed to entertaining, right? And, and a lot of time we think, oh, it's these horrible things. No, sin is not always something that feels bad. 
So most of the time, sin feels good. The Bible says this. It says the pleasures of sin are but for a season. So here it is. Know this, that there is pleasure involved in the things that we're doing that are harmful to us. Wow. Did you catch that? <clears throat> kind of like eating bad food. Bad food doesn't taste bad. You caught that, right? Bad food isn't bad for it doesn't taste bad to the tongue, but to the God, to the arteries and the vessels in your body and your your blood pressure and your sugar count and your glucose levels. Yeah, it's bad. But when you first bite into, you know, that chocolate cake, man, it doesn't seem bad at all. Matter of fact, I feel pretty good, man. You got your your your, your chemicals in your mind that are just kind of pumping on full speed ahead. You're happy. You're smiling. But somewhere down the line, when you go to that dentist's office and the dentist says, I think you have a cavity. And that pain that you feel in that moment reminds you that the sin that you participated in for a season was pleasurable, but now it's expired. Now it's death. Now you lost a tooth, right? That's just an example, guys. Just an example. So the death formula is this. Temptation plus sin equals death. Temptation plus sin equals death. Now, James isn't referring only to physical death. Our sins can cause death to our relationships, right? That's the, the, the biggest death you have to be concerned about this. First and foremost, above all things, is your relationship with God, is that sin separates God and mankind. It always does. It always separates us. As God is saying, here, I want to give you the world, and we're saying, I already got it. You know, <laughs> we're, we're, not, we're missing the mark, because the word sin implies to miss the mark. In other words, there are just some things that we're not picking up. God is laying it down, but we're not picking it up. So what we do is we create our own vision of what life should be like and we miss the objectives that God has for us and that therefore is classified as sin. So that should open up a world. I'm not talking about just drinking, smoking, and fornication. I'm talking about every attribute, every characteristic of who we manifest doesn't match up to what God's expectations were. And if not, then that was sin, right? But the, the biggest death is the death to a relationship. And I want to give you a couple examples, right? Like, for example, there's the couples who decide they're going to get married because they're they're burning in their lust. Uh, you know, I, I'm infatuated with her body and I love his muscles and this whole physical physicality. You know, they're good in the bedroom kind of concept that we picked up somewhere along the li the, the lies that we were told that we indulged in. And now it, it enters into the marriage. And I want to say this statement here. When physical involvement takes priority over verbal communications with a couple, it usually ends the relationship. See, when you always resort to let's let's make up through uh, through having sex or or through some type of physical activity and you don't want to talk about it, that ultimately eats away at the relationship It's like a relationship termite. It just kind of eats away uh, uh, underneath or behind the walls. And eventually it, it makes it weak. And then when expected, by the time you figure it out, the house is about to fall apart. That happens in relationships. See, you have to learn to talk. And we do that with God. God, give me stuff. Give me stuff. I don't want to pray. I don't want to talk. But God, give me, give me, give me. Right. As long as I attend church, God should be giving me what I want. See, that's more of a physical involvement. Right. God, you build a building. and I'm coming. You give me things. You pay my bills and I'm coming. Hey, God wants more than your physicality. He wants your heart. Jesus said it on this wise. He said, you have to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, body and strength with everything. All the components of you as a mankind. Right. So whenever you're in a relationship, when a husband and wife together, if you can't communicate beyond the physical aspects, if he can't love her beyond her weight, if she can't love him whenever he lost his job, if y'all can't get past that physical stuff, then the relationship dies. 
So the next one is this. Let, let's say you're a supervisor, right? If an employer neglects an employee and treats them unfairly and shows no sensitivity to their needs, eventually they'll destroy the loyalty and lose the employee. Many times some supervisors are so ambitious to build their own empire, their own legacy, or their own resume, that they forget about the human beings that they're responsible for managing. Yeah, we're supposed to be Christians in the workplace, but we forget about that. It's like we take off the armor of God when we get to work and we destroy relationships. We replace people as if they're nothing. We don't really look at the needs that they have. And then all of a sudden we got this high turnover ratio, right? Uh-oh, I think I'm touching on with somebody. What we do is over time, our sinful or our ability to miss the objective with people can cause us to lose the very relationships we should be building. Let's take it on to the home, right? If a parent neglects their kid, the relationship will eventually disintegrate, right? It will. Mom and dad are so preoccupied with the, the bills and with life and, and, and arguing and, and, and everything else that has nothing to do with the household or the kids that the kid says, hey, I'm just going to create a Facebook account. I'm going to get on Snapchat. I'm going to get on music. I'm going to go on TikTok. I'm going to go on everything that gets me the attention that I'm seeking because my parents won't give it to me because my parents don't look at me as the objective anymore. I am not the target. I am not the thing they're focused on. They're focused on everything and all they ever do is remind me how they provide for me. So you know what? Since they're no longer connecting or communicating with my soul, I'm going to connect. And the bad news is this. This is the way that the enemy backdoors us by having predators and unsavory people reach out to our children. Because why? Because we're distracted. And then you have a husband and wife, they're not getting along, not seeing eye to eye, they're going through some trouble moments. And, and what happens? The, the person decides, he or she decides to fill their mind with pornographic material, not realizing that this in itself will destroy the intimacy between one another. You know why? Because he can't do it like I saw in the video and, and she can't do it like I saw in the video. So that's no longer about the intimacy. They're being tempted into a physical dimension that neglects the soul and the spirit of a person. I hope I made that plan, guys. So let's move on to point three for the sake of time. Point three, key point number three. Sinful thinking robs you of your potential. Ask yourself, are you allowing sin to destroy what's most important to you? Y'all caught that? Are you allowing it? Are, are your vices or weaknesses, as we call them, slowly sapping the life out your relationships with people you love? Just think about this. I spend a lot of time talking to people who are in some form of addiction, anxiety, depression, and they can all they all confess over time that they couldn't see themselves and their choices, their lifestyle choices have damaged and ruined relationships around. Them. This was a sifting process. It didn't happen overnight. It happened over a period of time because they did not address the real issue, the shortcomings that were happening. Why? Why didn't they address it? Right. See, you can't afford to make excuses for your shortcomings. Here's a few excuses we make for the sin in our lives, right? This is commonly stated. Y'all ready for this? I'm just human. I am just human. What is that really implying? I am just, are we just saying that I'm just flesh and I have no dominion over this body, this vehicle that God has put a soul in to drive? Is that what we're saying? Or how about this one? Nobody's perfect. Wow. No. Now, let's clarify the word perfect, right? The word perfect as written in the Bible means to be whole or complete. 
So you mean to tell me there's nobody who is truly satisfied in life? Nobody who's whole, nobody that's complete. Matter of fact, should that not be the objective for everyone? Should we speak negatively, negative self-talk by saying nobody's perfect? Or should we try to speak positive? So don't confuse the word perfect with infallible. Infallible means never makes a mistake. Perfect doesn't. Perfect means whole or complete. You wouldn't send your child to school and say, hey, nobody ever makes an A. Nobody makes 100. Don't even try. Would you tell your child that? If you had a business, would you tell your employees, say, hey, look, nobody ever does exactly what I need them to do. Just do it the best you can and I'll just accept whatever you do. No, there's always an objective or a goal that makes you whole or complete that you have to reach. And when you reach that, that's the state of perfection. It's a process, doesn't happen overnight, but it should be the objective for every single person. But that's how we defend ourselves and our shortcomings. And nobody can judge me. Well, I, I would I, I would love to see how that plays out. If you got pulled over a speeding ticket, went to traffic court and stood before the judge and told the judge, no one can judge me. They identified that your shortcoming was your ineffectiveness to pay attention to the speed limit. Therefore, somebody had to tell you. Why? Because it would save your life and the life of those around you. So sometimes we're going to need people to help address our shortcomings. Right. So here's what I want. Those statements do something right. I want to make this statement to you clear. If you don't write anything that I said down, write this down. You may not be perfect, but don't confuse desire and ability or desire with ability. See, sometimes you don't recognize the fact that you have a choice in the matter. You could choose what you do. The word of God says that God sets before you life and death. You choose. We have a choice. The question is, can you get past the times that you made a bad choice and start making the right choices? Life is in your, look, the power of your life is in your control. Stop giving it away to everything and everybody. God wants you to be empowered. He wants you to feel super strong. He wants you to just walk in the truth of what he's given you. And you can choose to do that. That's what I love about God. People blame God for a lot of things, but the first thing he gave mankind was free will. And you have the free will to choose what you're going to do. He didn't want to be a puppet master. He said, look, of course, there's consequences, but you're going to have to choose to do the right things. And if you choose this destiny, that's a reward. Just like a kid who enrolls in college, you can attend class or not. But the end reward is a degree if you get there consistently. Yeah, you might fail a couple of classes, but you have to keep pushing and keep pressing. And if you keep pushing, and keep pressing, they'll be walking the stage and graduating one day. Then you'll get that diploma. See, every college student that goes to school recognize that, hey, there's some things that are just tougher than I thought. And they say, I didn't know I would pass that class. And then after hard work and dedication and sometimes sometime they got to take the class more than once, they still made it out with that degree. It's the same thing in Christ. Don't give up just because you couldn't pass it the first time. Keep trying to keep pressing. Get some tutoring, get some counseling, get something that's going to help you to pass this thing. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says there hath no temptation taken you such as is common to man. There ain't nothing going on around you that ain't happening to somebody else, people. These are common, more common than you think. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God is not putting more on you than, he, than you can bear. He knows exactly what he's doing. You just got to choose the right situation or the right response when you're in your predicaments. It's just a proving ground. It's to strengthen you. You'll never get stronger unless he puts a little bit more on you. God wants us to become stronger. Life is not going to get easier, but you can get stronger through Christ Jesus.
Everyone has the potential to choose their destiny. Everyone. Everyone. Do not be a victim, people. God wants us to be victorious in every aspect of our lives. You got to choose it, though. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but you got to cast your cares upon him. You can't sit back and just let life happen to you. You got to happen to life. You got to fight through your temptations. You got to choose your destiny. What God has purposed in your life has to become more powerful and more stronger and more desirable than anything you're participating in right now. Because most of the, what we're doing is doing nothing but putting a band-aid on the real problem. Let's deal with the problem and become everything that God has designed us to be. Ask yourself this question. Where you want to go in life? Where is it that you believe God wants to take you in life? Where? What is that destiny? What is that location? Now, I'm going to say it to you like this. Once you've identified that, say, God, what do you have for me? What do you want me to do in life? What's my destiny? Now, here's what I need you to do. Choose it. The Bible declares that faith without works is dead, being alone. You got to have the faith and put in the work. If God has told you that you're going to be a business owner, then go for it. If he says you're going to be a wife or a husband, then go for it. If you're going to be a preacher, a teacher, go for it. But you're going to have to choose the tough path, the path that's going to have some resistance and temptations along the way. But if you just stay the course and, and, and consult with God when you're facing your challenges, I promise you, you'll arrive right on schedule. So look, guys, today, that's the word that I got you from Restore Connection Church. This is Cliff Roy speaking. I just want to make sure that your Sunday is encouraged and blessed no matter what's happening. I believe you have a destiny and it's up to you to choose it. So you enjoy your day. God bless.